Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean. Uh, Susie, the co-host, my co-host, is actually having her girls, uh, um, not tournament weekend, but the girls fishing uh, weekend that she does where she has all of, like the top female anglers from uh, the United States kind of get together and they have seminars and you're really a you know, great weekend of fishing. So I hope uh, she's having fun there. I think she's traveling tonight. Uh, to get that started this weekend. Um, so uh, we miss her and uh, wish uh, we'll welcome her back when she gets back, but I hope she has a good weekend. But um, tonight uh, I'm flying solo uh, again and um, I'm super happy to, uh, that I was able to get the guest uh, that I reached out to this week on the show. Uh, first heard about him uh, listening to Josh Shranko uh, over on the uh, Smalley Talk podcast. And, um, you know, uh, Josh talked a lot about this guy's uh, prowess. Um, right here on the Susquehanna, my kind of home waters as well. And, uh, uh, this gentleman has, uh, you know, for those of you who are familiar with Smalley games, he's kind of, I think mastered it, uh, at this point, you can safely say that cause, uh, he's, uh, kind of, you know, he did, uh, completed it last year and he, he's completed it twice over this year already. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so if that isn't a, uh, you know, a selling point for his uh, skills, I don't know what is, um, but I'd like to welcome Randy Long to the show. Uh, welcome, sir. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. So um, for the folks who uh, might not have uh, listened to Josh uh, kind of speak your praises on the Smalley Talk podcast uh, or might not be familiar with you otherwise, um, just let the folks know who you are, uh, kind of where you're from and how you got into fishing. So my name is Randy Long. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania. I kind of grew up on the Juniata River. I still live along the Juniata River. I fish it a lot, but um, that's kind of where I learned how to smallmouth fish. Um, then I've been branching out and fishing the Susquehanna more and more. Um, I guess I'm actually uh, headed to the Juniata this weekend for our next uh, kayak anglers tournament. So, oh, really? Where are you, where are you guys? Um, what what's what are the boundaries for that? 
Um, it's actually a joint event, so it's a huge chunk of the uh, the river. I think it goes from pretty much where it hits the Susky to uh, I'm trying to think what the northernmost boundary is, but it's it's a huge section of the river because we're uh, combining with the Laurel Highlands Club, and that's kind of their home area, I guess. And so they go pretty far up. So I all I know is that the northernmost boundary is really far from me down here in uh, South Central. Right. So. Yeah, the Juniata is a pretty special river, really. Like, it really has its times of the year where it really shines, like, um, especially in the springtime, like pre-spawn. It's, it's, it's exceptional. Um, but I got my I do, uh, there last year, 21 and a half, so I was happy. Yeah, they don't get much bigger than that around here, on the Susquehanna either, so that's a big fish. And I still didn't win big bass on that tournament, though. I, I, I was like, are you kidding me? I thought for sure I had it in the bag and went back. And then somebody's like, nope, I got 22. I'm like, are you kidding me? See, I've never caught a 22-inch fish. And I've caught 21 and uh, three quarters. I've done that twice. That's the biggest smallmouth that I've caught. Nice. Um, I caught a lot of 21 and a half, but never a 22. So, Well, I only but, caught um, one 21 and a half, so you're way ahead of me. <laughs> I think I caught five or six this year, maybe 21 and a half. Wow. Um, it's weird. I, I used to not keep track of stuff like that, but this one guy that I'm friends with, I fish with on occasion, he keeps like a record of all that stuff. So I started doing it just as I like, see how many fish I catch over the course of a year and how many 20s and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Well, dude, just thinking about smaller games in PA, you're, uh, you know, the, the, they kind of have that side thing going with the different states and you're probably carrying Pennsylvania, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it is. I know Pennsylvania has like 53 smallmouth entered over 20 inches. I think like 40 of them are me somewhere around there. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I think there's like five I caught prior to smaller games as well, but yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. The river is like exceptional the last two years or so like it's definitely a lot of big fish yep i am actually still looking for my 20 this year um i just uh just caught a 1975 uh in in the tournament i fished this last weekend um that gave me the win um for my first ever win so i was super pumped um but uh but yeah i've caught uh at least two 20s uh the last two two years um i'm still kind of relatively new to this but uh um, I'm still looking for my 20 for this year. So there's a lot of them out there. That's for sure. The, um, so Josh and his family was here last week and, um, I went out with his dad the one day and I kind of pointed him in a direction of some place to try the, during the week. And, um, I think I caught two 20 inch fish that day. And then I think everybody in his family caught a 21 while they were here. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and a 20 as well. So, <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, I was joking with my wife. I was like, I think I know where some of my tournament winning is going to go. I'm going to book a trip here uh, with this guy <laughs> I'm going to talk to. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, sometimes I think a lot of people think that I like just know where they're all at. Like, I do catch a lot, but I put a lot of time in. So, right. no, yeah, and that I, shows. And I think uh, that was one of the the biggest things for me is just when I was on my search for, you know, twenties is that it didn't come until I started really putting time in on the water. You know, I'm, I fish two times a week regularly at this point. And, you know, I know you fish way more than that probably, but uh, I mean, that's, that's what got me to f start finding them. So uh, definitely. Makes the sense. more you're out there, the more you kind of, um, know what they're doing and you can kind of keep tabs on where they're moving or what they're doing. It's definitely a huge deal being out there a lot. Um, so I think this year I've had like 135 days on the river so far. So I'm out there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, well, what got you started in fishing? I know I, I kind of interrupted you there. I apologize. So, I mean, I, when I started out, I remember being like a, a small kid, like um, Gen X, like growing up back in the 80s and parents kick you out of the house all day. And I'd be down there rolling over rocks in a Juniata. <clears throat> I actually, like I remember as a, a young kid, I was like, this one guy told me he would uh, buy as many stone cats as I could catch them. So I'd be down there 
catching stone cats and giving them a jar of stone cats like once a week and he'd give me like fifteen dollars um then from there I, I really back then it was a lot of like rock bass and like um bluegills in the river i really didn't get into smallmouth too much until like the late 1990s maybe i was introduced to that um with a guy that i used to work with and shortly after that i bought a jet boat and I think I'm like three or four jet boats in now. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm all in now. So there was a period where I was, um, I kind of got away from it for a little bit, but I really got serious about it about probably like five or six years ago. And um, now I just, I, I, I don't know. I want to be out there all the time now. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, a jet boat is definitely on my wish list, you know, uh, Hopefully my listeners forgive me for that, but, uh, getting away out of my small plastic boat that I'm been rocking for a while now, but, uh, it does seem like a lot of fun and, you know, a lot of, uh, just being able to cover the water that you can and go in places where not a lot of other boats can't even go, um, uh, for sure. I mean, kayaks let me do that now, but definitely not to kind of the extent and coverage that you get out of a jet boat. So I, I actually bought. I was waiting for my jet boat and I actually bought a kayak. I was like between boats. I was fishing off the bank actually for like five or six months. And uh, so I bought this kayak and I, I don't know how much money I got wrapped up in it too much because I only ever used it one day, but <laughs> it's a bonafide RS-117, I believe. Um, so I used it one day and um, it was pre-spawn on the Juniata, and um, back then I didn't measure a lot of fish. I was more into, like, weighing the fish. And uh, I caught my best bag in Pennsylvania that one time I used that kayak. It was wow. a 23.02-pound bag of smallmouth, five fish. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm, it can only go downhill from there if I take it back <laughs> out, so I haven't taken it back out. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I mean, it's uh, not awesome, but I mean, that's, that's cool. That's a heck of a day. Oh, I can't even imagine that. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to get off the water at that point, but yeah, it was actually just a short float. And I mean, I mean, the fishing was, if I was like a skilled kayaker, it can actually, I mean, it was literally the first time and only time I've ever been in one. Like, um, I was really struggling just paddling around, honestly. And I think I caught, actually caught two five pound fish that day. And I would catch them and they would pull me off the spot. And then I had to struggle to paddle back up there and anchor again. Um, but yeah, so, but the jet boat, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I can definitely, if, if the bite isn't happening where I'm at or anything like that, I can definitely move and uh, maybe try to figure something out. No, and, and that's one of the things that uh, I wanted to really kind of pick your brain about just because, um, you know, when we talk about the Susquehanna and, and the Juniata to some extent, they are such large rivers that, you know, for someone just looking to get started fishing them, it can be almost overwhelming, uh, like where to even start. And then once you're on the water, you know, how do you even start trying to locate fish? And, um, you know, obviously, you know, we've, we've been fishing it for a while and, you know, we, we have our, in our minds now kind of where we go and, uh, you know, where we start. But if someone was coming to the Susquehanna or the Juniata for the first time, you know, where would you tell them to, you know, start, um, you know, how would you break down water? You know, let's dive into that a little bit. You know, what, when, when you first hit the water, what, what are you looking for? What do you, um, we, and, we, and I know you, we, we talked a little bit of pre-show about it, but um, it, it, how it differs from season to season. So let's, let's uh, for right now, let's just uh, say we're talking summer to fall transition, like kind of right where we're at right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
So, I mean, the first thing I do is I am um, the first thing I even before I go to the river is I'm always looking at those river gauges. I mean, a lot of that is going to determine what you're going to do before you even get to the river. Um, because if, over time, like if you pay, really pay attention to those river gauges, you kind of get an idea of what the fish are going to be doing just based off of where that's at. Um, so like here through like the last month or so, the river's actually been fairly high for this time of year. Um, and there's been some stain to it. I mean, it's, I think it's actually been pretty easy to fish compared to that low clear stuff where you got to be a lot sneakier. But, um, so yeah. And then, uh, we had a couple like high, uh, events here recently, like the last two weeks, <clears throat> excuse me. The, um, th those type of events are actually, um, I think that's when you'd see that the river, like how special the river can really be whenever you have those high water events where if the gauge is normally, um, like let's say on the Juniata at New at Newport, it's around four and a half, four to four and a half feet maybe this time of year. And then you get a rise and you get up around like six feet, six and a half feet. The fish really get focused into really predictable places and they're easy to catch good fish and numbers as well. Um, but other than that, like the gauge, so I kind of have an idea of where I think the fit, what the fish might be doing whenever I get to the river. And then a lot of it after that is based on the water clarity, what kind of baits I want to throw and stuff like that. Um, if it's stained pretty bad, I mean, something that's going to put some kind of vibration into the water is important. The, uh, Cause like when it's low and clear, like a smallmouth is like, they really are sight feeders, but when it gets, um, stained, I actually think that's a time to cut a good time to fool a, a big fish. That's uh, been caught a lot because he can't really, you're kind of playing to his lateral line. And I feel like it's not easy for them to find food in those conditions. And, uh, so they don't willing have time to take to it really, yeah, they yeah, don't have time to really just take their time and really inspect it. They know. Yeah, that they're, they're, they're willing to take a chance to get a meal probably that they wouldn't uh, under any other conditions. So I, I actually catch a lot of big fish in stained or dirty water. Um, but I, go ahead. I was going to say, and that would be those kind of conditions are where, you know, uh, being in a kayak versus a jet can probably be a big difference because there's there's times when you know we we see rises that i look at the gauge and i'm like i don't know that i can even paddle that you know whereas in a boat you have a little bit more uh ability to navigate the, those kind of flows um but uh but yeah no that that i could definitely see where that would make it easy um you know we've talked about on the show a little bit before about you know in those high water conditions the kind of spots you you look for um, cause obviously, you know, you know, they don't want to be in the super, super fast stuff, right. Uh, they're kind of looking to, to get someplace where they can stay without having to expend all their energy, just trying to stay. Right. But still and, have and, that close by, right. Yeah. So, I mean, when, during the rise, I mean, they, they really, I'm not sure if they know how bad it's going to get. And they, they seem to during the rise, they, they seem to move someplace where they can take cover a lot of times towards the bank. Um, uh, kind of lost track where I was going with that, but the, yeah, they, so they kind of like, if they're out in the current, they're not going to last long there. They're, they're just going to get, keep getting pushed down the river. Um, I think sometimes a lot of times whenever they take cover like that, if you find an area that has a lot of fish in it and you're catching them almost really can start over on that and fish it again, because there's fish that are constantly taking shelter from that current and moving into spots like that as well. Gotcha. So it's something you can kind of repeat, even, even kind of just stay on that and let it like recycle, yeah, you know? Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And I, I've heard, you know, that uh, they do head towards the bank 
as well, which, um, you know, that definitely, I guess you, you end up with more eddies and stuff right along the bank then when, when that kind of thing happens, cause you'll, you know, just a little obstruction at that point in, in big water can make, make those eddies or give them those spots where they can kind of chill out a little bit without getting swept down. It could be something as small as just a, a tree that's now the trunk of it or the base of it is submerged in water and it's someplace they can take shelter behind it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And uh, stuff that, you know, wouldn't normally make an eddy because the water isn't really usually that high, but in those events, then all of a sudden you have eddies pop up all over the place, you know, that you don't normally see or right. aren't as pronounced anyway. Right. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes it doesn't even look like an eddy, but, it's like the only place they can take shelter. And they're just like, I mean, sometimes they are like on the bank, like you could probably like throw on the bank, drag it into the river. Like a foot later, you got a fish on, like sometimes they're right up there. Um, and I, I know we talked a little, you talked a little bit about using baits that, uh, you know, appeal to their lateral line there. So a lot of times that's, you know, something with a blade on it, or is that what you're thinking or? Yeah, so um, a lot of times it's, I mean, it's just stuff that, I mean, chatter baits are, are a big player when it's like that. Um, spinner baits. Um, I know a lot of guys use stuff with like Indiana and Colorado blades. I still kind of just stay with the the willow stuff, but um, okay. Um, I like when it gets real dirty and high, I like something with painted blades on it like white or chartreuse, something like that. Um, <clears throat> Do you that's, find um, like uh, crankbaits, you know, like with a heavy wobble have the same effect or just it's more, you know, you need that thump of the blade that, that appeals to them. So I'm not, I mess around with crankbaits some, but I'm not a real big crankbait guy. And the other thing that would concern me about throwing a crankbait up around like roots of trees and like, heavy grass and stuff like that is not getting it back. Maybe um, a spinnerbait for sure. will come through that stuff when, and not get hung up. Um, chatterbaits kind of like to stick to wood, but um, that's a, I really like chatterbaits. That's a good bait. No, no, I, I agree. And, and I kind of feel like chatterbaits, you know, fairly or not have replaced spinnerbaits in a lot of guys arsenals, but there's definitely still time and place for spinnerbaits, at least uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't know. I imagine you're probably similar somewhat. There's, yeah, I mean, I've probably replaced spinner baits with chatter baits for the most part, but there's some days where, I mean, I always have a spinner bait tied on or some days where it's just nothing. Oh, I'll fish a spinner bait. I feel like, I, I still feel like a spinner bait comes through grass a little bit better. I, at least my luck, I, I kind of get uh, a spinnerbait through the grass down here a little bit better than I do a chatterbait sometimes. I still sometimes end up pulling a lot of grass when I throw a chatterbait in grass or around grass. Yeah, so uh, so like floating grass, I feel like a chatterbait will work better in that. Like I, if you have the right rod and you can, once that blade gets fouled up, you can kind of rip it and it'll sh it'll shed it. Where a spinnerbait, it just kind of folds over them. Um, if it's like standing grass, like the grass islands and stuff on the Susquehanna, I think a spinnerbait does come through that type of stuff better. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I, I kind of, that's kind of what I was thinking. I, but that, that is at least, you know, down here uh, on my at, uh, area of the Susquehanna. And I don't know so much about the Juniata. I've only fished that a few times, but um, there is a lot of floating grass in. Uh, in the area that I fish in a lot. And probably so a lot of it is coming from the Juniata. The Juniata is kind of notorious for that. Um, but even for like I, the Susquehanna, I mean, sometimes I fish it up around Sunbury and even north of that really. And this year there seems to be quite a, quite a lot of floating grass coming from even up that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, uh, that's where, you know, there's times where I can throw a crankbait, but then, when the grass is flowing like that, I mean, I was just talking about that, uh, with my, uh, with the, my, uh, the a podcast I just recorded, we were talking about how that really takes the crankbait out of the picture at that point, because you're, 
you know, it, it's coming back, you know, fouled up every time, pretty much like every caster having to clean it off or, you know, you can rip it out to some extent if it, the grass is attached, but if it's just floating, you know, ripping it usually doesn't clear that. So, so, I mean, if you were, if you just fished this past weekend, you kind of know that, I mean, that was kind of a problem this weekend, really. And the, the kind of thing I do there is I try, so the Susquehanna is so big and there's so many different inflows of different water systems it's like you move around and there's, there's going to be some part of the river it's probably a little more fishable than the rest and that was i mean this past weekend was no different like um i'd say like a third of the river you were able to work a bait pretty freely without having to deal with grass but the other two thirds it was just like floating mats and loose stuff all over the place Yep. Yep. And, and kind of the Susquehanna is also notorious from just bank to bank, you know, one side can be all but crystal clear and the other side can be completely, you know, chocolate milk, depending on, you know, like where the Juniata flows in, if the Juniata is muddy and that's gonna, that's gonna make, you know, where that side of the river, where the, uh, the Susquehanna, where the Juniata flows in, you know, a lot different than the other side of the river. It's, it's big enough that you, you know, just even side to side, you can get pretty drastic differences. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, like even currently, like the Juniata's, we really haven't had any, the Juniata is a very local system compared to the Susquehanna. So the Juniata hasn't had a lot of rain recently and it's low and it's clear and uh, it looked nothing like that. I haven't fished in that area, but I'm sure where I was entering the Susquehanna, it was a, a very distinct color line there but when you go further north you have the west branch it seems to run a lot clearer than the north branch um at least it cleans up a lot quicker kind of comes out of the mountains where the north branch kind of comes down <clears throat> out of new york and a, and a lot of like farm area and stuff like that with a lot more runoff right well the runoff's different it's it you're right it comes through the fields instead of yeah down through the mountains right a lot of times i mean some of these big creeks i mean there's there's some creeks that are like i've talked to some of these like josh shrink or whatever from indiana like some of these creeks around here sound like they're the size of the river they fish out there in indiana um, they can that, make a yeah that was they can make a difference too that i learned um talking uh to folks on this podcast was i have to ask them about their river because every river whenever i talk to somebody about river fishing i would picture the susquehanna and a vast majority of the rivers that these people are talking about are nowhere near the Susquehanna. I'm like, I forget. I think it first dawned on me with my old co-host, Ryan, he's from Tennessee and he fishes the duck river down there. And he's talking about casting from one side of the river and almost getting to the other side. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I, I cast it across the river. I'm like the whole way across the river. And he's like, yeah, well, it's only, you know what? A hundred yards. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm picturing in my mind when he's saying, oh, I'm fishing the river, you know, you know, that I'm fishing the Susquehanna and uh, it's completely different. So that was a big eye opener for me. And I don't know why I didn't think about it because it makes sense. You know, obviously most rivers aren't the Susquehanna. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't know. I've, I don't fish a lot of other rivers. Like I do kind of go up and fish the St. Lawrence like once a year, I'll go up there like a couple of days and fish with a guide. Um, but that's, it's, it's nothing like this. Um, it's just deep. It's a totally different fishery as far as the way you fish it. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I, I feel like we're so spoiled having this river in our backyard or, you know, these river system. And, you know, I, I mean, it's 15 minutes away from me and uh, it's funny. I have, lakes by me that you know i go to occasionally but i'm like why would i not go to the river especially when it's so close and uh it's almost you know predictable that i know at least i'm going to catch something you know right and like i mean i don't really fish lakes at all i mean i also i go on trips to like lake erie and fish but i'm i always fish for smallmouth i really don't have any interest in catching anything else um but current makes sense to me like so it's a lot of times those lakes can give me fits when I have to try and go and fish those. Yeah, that that is uh, a completely different ball game. I know anytime I have to go offshore or fish deep, 
uh, I don't have a ton of luck. So I'm getting um, better at it, but I mean, I don't know how much Lake Erie would relate to like Raystown or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. The, uh, lakes differ whether they're, you know, Highland reservoirs versus, you know, I, you know, there's, there's so many different types of lakes too, that, you know, they, they don't all fish the same either for sure. Um, so back to uh, kind of locating fish. You do you uh, focus on different areas of the water column too? Like obviously in the summer, or uh, there's times where top water, you know, is really you know probably the most fun and maybe the best thing to throw. Like especially on the Susquehanna, like you, you talk about like the Mayfly Hatch and stuff like that. You know, a top water popper. I've had some of the best days of my life fishing. Um, but then there's definitely times where a popper is not going to catch you next to anything. Right. Um, I kind of, I know I've had days, some, there's some days where you can kind of get away with throwing top water all day. But for me, I kind of, I'll try it in the morning. I'll do it in the evening. A lot of times I feel like in the evening, like even this time of year, like, um, especially now the, the river's kind of coming down a little bit, like those fish will like, in the evenings will kind of move towards grass because the bait is there. <clears throat> They'll kind of go in there and you'll kind of catch them in like small little schools of um, fish in there kind of trying to feed on the bait and I'll throw top water around, but I'm not, I don't throw top water a lot either. Um, I, I, I do like top water. Like there's probably nothing funner than catching fish on top water, but it's such a like, hit and miss thing like like they the hookup ratio is real low um and like i think everybody's throwing those whopper ploppers now the last couple of times well the last month or so i've been out if i try throwing those things around a grass bed the fish are just kind of like it's like they're they're like a little kid that got burnt by a stove top or something they're just like <laughs> i don't know if i want to eat that thing they just kind of follow it and peck at it and you never really get them um yeah um, what, but, when you, so when you guide, um, do you have baits that, you know, you go obviously with a more, uh, higher hookup percentage or, you know, what do you usually, I mean, types of baits, you don't have to be specific. What are you putting in people's hands? So like this time of year, I mean, re really like we're going to get back to this time of year. Um, the fish are still right now, like here in another like five or six weeks, they'll really start moving into schools. But, like, right now they're pretty spread out. So, like, I feel like you got to cover a lot of water. So, you kind of – but the current river conditions, as it's dropping, it's getting kind of low. They're not going to – I don't feel like they're going to be around cover too much. You're going to want to kind of focus on areas with current. And I'll kind of, like, find those areas and float through them. Um, some of the things I look for is – maybe an air like if you so if it's, if you would look on like google earth or something you could see where like there's areas where maybe the water comes between islands or something or it can pick up speed there and there's there's more current there or it can go from a deep pool to a shallow stretch that creates more current um i feel like the fish they're they're, they're set up on some kind of structure normally they're not just out in the middle of nothing but those areas are kind of like a conveyor that's like constantly bringing them food. And, um, yeah, so I focus a lot like right now on areas with current and then in the mornings and evenings, I'll go to pl places, maybe, um, somewhere around grass or something like that, where I think they're in there feeding on bait. Um, <clears throat> so like, Really, I throw a lot of, I have clients throwing a lot of like swim baits and flukes and stuff like that, just kind of floating through areas. Um, no, that, um, that, that, that's one thing that I've actually, I, I, I want to have Josh on to talk about throwing a fluke because I know he's a big fan of that. And um, I've tried that. Uh, like, I, I don't know what I do wrong with a fluke. Um, 
I, I just don't have a lot of luck. Of uh, The only time I've ever had, you know, even repeated, somewhat repeated success on it is throwing it over top of that grass, like the, where it's just not quite up to the surface, but I know, you know, I can throw the fluke and just kind of pop it through there. Um, is that, I, I don't even know how else to throw a fluke. Um, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to rig it. Um, I'm probably rigging it different maybe than, um, the way you would like kind of conventionally rig one. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how much I want to get into that. That's fine. <laughs> nope, that's, that's good. Nope. I, you got to have your I, secrets, man. So I completely understand that. So, um, um, are, are you still using it as like a, a, a soft plastic jerk bait? You're still pop, pop, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm still working at like a soft plastic jerk bait. I'm just probably rigging it different um okay well that's that's okay you we, we don't have to spill any secrets so um um the, i just uh was curious because i know josh talks about that a lot on the small talk podcast and um i you know he i've had him on the show before but we didn't talk about that and um it's one thing that i i i keep it's in the back of my mind that i want to have him back on to actually you know, talk a little bit about that, not spill any of his secrets either, but, you know, just, uh, I'd love to do a show specifically on fishing the fluke because, um, I know there's a billion different ways to rig it. You know, I've seen like the, the donkey rig, you know, where you, you hook two of them together on a slide and, you know, then you can jerk them both and they're both. Corny. Yeah. That, um, that really works well in the fall here too. When they start grouping up, you can get a lot of doubles that way as long as you're rigging it right and you're not i was actually just i was just talking to josh about that the other day about i'm not sure he was rigging that exactly the same way i would he's getting tangled up a lot it sounded like but yeah you can do the donkey rig um i know a lot of people just like hook them like kind of with the ewg like they probably come through the grass pretty easy like that yeah. Yeah. And I, like I talking to like the Susquehanna fish and tackle guys, that's, that's what they had recommended. I had asked them when I first started, you know, I was like, what, how the heck do I fish that grass? I know there's bass in that grass. I can't find anything that comes through it clean. And that was what they told me is, you know, take a fluke, rig it weedless. They actually said, use a worm hook. Um, Cause it's just a little shallower. The, the you know, the, the bend of the hook doesn't stick out as much. And, you know, that's pretty much how I was, uh, have been fishing it. Um, and just, like I said, cast it over top of the grass and kind of just work it back, not letting it get down in the grass. Cause then you ended up ripping it out or it doesn't always come back clean, but nine times out of 10, if you just pop it over the grass, that's how I've had success, but I know there's different ways of doing it. That's probably the best way to get it through in that scenario. A lot of the ways I'm using it is in like open water. Like I'm not really using it around grass that much. Um, gotcha. Yeah, it's something we could talk about after the show, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah no worries. Or maybe if I if I come on a trip with you, you know, we'll see. That, yeah, because uh, it's definitely yeah. a player even through the fall because it won't be long and the fish will like they'll be totally switching from looking for crayfish all the time to only bait fish here soon. So. Well, I was going to, I was going to mention that too. Uh, I know I, I, the tournament I fished this last weekend, you mentioned about finding current and finding areas with, you know, faster current. And um, that is kind of exactly what I started doing to actually find fish this weekend because um, I was fishing. I, I like to fish the ledges and the rocks. Um, and uh, I was fishing with a Ned rig, um, picking up dink after dink after dink. And I was like, man, I got to do something to bump up my size. And um, so I started uh, fishing a tube, but I, I found that, that I was getting the most size when I fished that tube in those faster pockets of current and just where I could actually feel the tube moving and I didn't even have to move it much. It, the current was doing all the work and it was just getting slammed by, and, you know, and I was able to kind of cull uh, some of my smaller fish out using that tactic because uh the tube was whereas the net rig was getting blown through that area the tube had a little enough extra little weight that it it was moving more naturally through that but uh it definitely they were not in the in the stagnant water they were definitely in the 
kind of moving or at least somewhat adjacent to that. If I could find a seam right on that faster moving water where it was really fast and then right to the right of it or left of it, it was just, you know, moving at a moderate pace. I could cast in that moderate pace and just let it kind of bop down through there and it was getting hit pretty good. Well, like Thursday, Friday was like kind of during the rise and then um, it came up super fast. And a lot of times when it comes up real fast like that, it comes down real fast. And as soon as that starts dropping, those fish start sliding back out into the river. Um, and so I, uh, this weekend, I mean, I was kind of targeting the same type of stuff. I really wasn't fishing like hard structure or anything like that. I was just out in the current catching them. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, um, I know, uh, so we talked a little bit about, uh, different, uh, well, you said, uh, about, uh, swim baits and stuff. Um, it, uh, at what point do you go to like more of the bottom thing? Like what you would think of more naturally as a crawl bait, like, uh, uh, a tube or, uh, a jig or anything like that. I mean, I'm to the point now where I don't really, I use that stuff like over the winter. So like maybe December, Jan, I mean, you can catch them on a net anytime, but I don't know if I want to catch them on a net. Like if I don't have to the, I hear you. I hear you. But definitely in the, over the winter, I use that stuff a lot. <clears throat> like December, January, February, it plays a lot. But I don't, if you don't have to use it, I don't use it. No, I um, hear you. Um, I usually, that's usually, you know, after I've tried a couple of other things and uh, I'm not catching anything, I'll, I'll switch to the Ned just because I know I can at least catch something. You know, it's a lot of times it's not big, although I have caught, you know, some pretty good sized fish on the Ned rig. Um, it does tend to catch a lot of dakes too, just by nature of the size of the bait and everything. So the, the biggest fish that I've caught um, this year was actually on a Ned and it was over the winter. It was back in January and it's actually the heaviest fish I've ever caught in Pennsylvania. It was on a Ned rig. Gotcha. Um, he has five and a half pounds, small mouth. Wow. I, I got to start weighing my fish cause I, I don't have a clue of how, how any of my big fish weigh, uh, I just know the length. Um, us kayak anglers tend to focus more on the length than the than the weight. But uh, yeah, that fish was twenty one and a half inches. Is five and a half pounds. But I've caught fish that were nineteen and a half inches and were over five pounds as well. Yeah, um, no, those those are the ones where you know you lay them. I when I lay them on my measuring board and it it's hanging over both the top and the bottom. You know it's. Those are those special susky smallies. They have like football shoulders. Right. I think a lot of people think that anything that's over, that if you don't weigh a lot of fish, um, they think anything that's over like 20 inches is a five pound fish, but rarely are 20 inch fish, five pounds, honestly, around here. Um, right. High threes, low fours. Um, it really has to be like the spring or the fall or the winter to catch those real, when they're like at their heaviest. Right. When they're really, uh, you know, feeding up and yeah, super chunky. Yeah. Because I, well, you figure they spend their life on a conveyor belt, so they're not necessarily built like a, like a large mouth in a lake would be where they're just hanging around all day, eating and getting fat. Um, they're, they're working for their food pretty much constantly. So that's going to keep you on the slimmer end probably. Right. So I think I caught, well, I caught two 20 inch fish on, Saturday, one I think was like 4.27, and the other one was I think just over four, like I mean, right around four pounds. They were both 20 and a quarter inch fish. Um, a lot of people be like, Oh, I caught a five pounder, but there's so <clears throat> back to me keeping records on all the fish that I catch. Um, last night when I was out, I went over. I've caught now my 4,600th smallmouth this year. And I've, <laughs> I've caught six that were over five pounds this year. That's it. Wow. So they're not, they're not everywhere. Right. Right. So in, in that 4,600, like how many, is that all size or did you have a, a bottom size for that? Is it 12? Nah, that's everything. Yeah. I mean, if they're, 
nine inches that's part of it i mean okay i no, count I, them I all do the same thing i i i every picture or every fish i i catch i take a picture of and i you know i have a log that i keep uh it came from i started doing that back uh when uh the original co-host i had with this show ryan uh him and i had a bet to see who could catch the most fish in a year um and uh so ever since that uh we had that bet going and that was probably two years ago um we did it for a year and uh Ever since then, I, I take a picture of every single fish I catch. Yeah, I, I, like I count. I don't I take a picture if it's a bluegill or a catfish or, you know, anything I catch, I take a picture of just so I have a record that of what I caught. Well, I only keep track of smallmouth and I don't take pictures of all of them. I have a like yeah, a baseball a counter, a clicker. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep I it in my pocket. I've, I, I saw I, I know a bunch of people who have those. So I, I definitely will have to invest in one of those because. I don't need a million pictures of nine inch smallmouth on my phone. Yeah. Right. It, it makes it tough to find my the good pictures when I'm like flipping through. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't I don't really take I don't know if I take pictures of too many under like nineteen inches recently, but that's well, I could see why back to how good the river is. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say when you when you catch the kind of quality fish that you catch, I could see why that would uh you would limit, you know uh the numbers that you're taking pictures of for sure so but i'll have to uh, i'll have to look for one of those baseball clickers and pick one up so, yeah i think i just got mine at walmart it's like seven bucks or something it's over there in the sporting goods with the with like the baseball bats and stuff yeah that's a definitely a good idea so well all right man well that's i mean that that's a, a ton of good info um again uh anything else you would say uh to someone who's Maybe, you know, not like us, uh, they don't live right here next to the Susky or the um, Junietta. If they're coming from afar, they, you know, the Susquehanna is their bucket list uh, destination. Um, any other tips or things you could think of you would tell them uh, to start with or where to, you know, you know, anything you would uh, point them in the direction of to kind of get success just starting out? Um. I don't know. Like, I think the Juniata is probably if you were. That's a little easier place to fish. The Susquehanna. Sometimes the fish is small. A lot of times the fish is big, and it's it's. Um, it's sometimes the Susquehanna can like humble you. I know, like some of these guys, they come here and um, they see the pictures of the all the big fish people catch here. And they come here and you're like, man, I got, I was here two days and caught five 15 inch smallmouth. Like, <clears throat> so I, I don't know really what the secret is. Um, I, I'm not really sure how to. That's a, it's, it's you, like you said, it's you time on the water. Yeah. It's time on the river. Like, really. Um, there was, so maybe, like a, I, yeah. So the, some of the stuff that like, um, like the things that, I feel like I'm pretty consistent now. I, I, I don't remember the last time I got skunked. The um, I, I, I had something and I just dropped it there. Uh, no, no worries, no worries. I mean that, and maybe that is the thing. Maybe maybe that's what makes the Susquehanna special is that you know you can't just. You, I mean, you, you can come and luck into them, but there is something to be said about knowing this river and knowing kind of the ins and outs of, uh, you know, and I, I'm definitely not there yet. I'm not completing smaller games twice in a uh, season, but uh, I definitely feel like um, my confidence level has gone up significantly from when I first started. And like, you know, uh, uh, our podcast group meets up at Dale hollow Lake in, in, in Tennessee. And I went down there thinking that I was going to take all this stuff from the Susky and, catch fish like crazy down there and it totally humbled me down there i'm like i cannot catch any you know anything down here and uh that's a complete yeah i mean that's what works here i mean i don't know i i could take what works here and if it was a similar fishery maybe it would work maybe it wouldn't um but yeah i mean for me it was i don't know that there's any shortcuts to like figuring out how to do it here i think you just have to be out on the river like people ask me about it, i'm like I had like years where I was terrible. Like, like I, like I was, I struggled to catch fish or there was, I had lots of bad days, but 
over the years, like just like under certain conditions, like seeing what the, like eventually you catch enough fish that you put it together and, and, uh, I don't have it all figured out, but I mean, there's days that I don't do that great, but there's, there's not many of those anymore. Now, do you um, log, log anything like, uh, conditions or anything or keep any kind of logs or you pretty much just saw uh, up in your head? Um, no, I do. There's stuff I refer back to as far as if I have a really good day, like doing something, I will document what the river level was on the gauge. Um, kind of what I used clarity. Um, yeah, there, and, uh, the one app I have is, I'm not even sure what it is. It's a river, uh, gauge app. I think I'll have to look at it and see what it is, but I paid for the pay one and I can go back a year. So like, if I look on my log and be like, Oh, I caught 140 fish this day. And I can go back to that time last year <clears throat> and I can look at the, the level that it was like that particular time helps me remember. Cause there's sometimes where like the river's real low and it's kind of iffy getting around. And like, sometimes if I don't fish an area for a long time, I can be like, I can go back and look on my log. Then I can look it up on the river gauge and I'm like, Oh yeah, I can still get in there. I'm in a little bit of a trouble right now because the area I've really been targeting and catching a lot of fish, it's dropped to the point now I can't get to them. So <clears throat> I remember uh, I last year when, something else uh, out. when the Hobie uh, BOS came and I fished that and uh, uh, that was some of the lowest I've ever seen sections of this river. Uh, uh, even I think I, I fished the Juniata twice last year and from the first time I fished it, uh, earlier in the season to where it was when we had our tournament there, uh, it was completely different. Uh, there was parts where, uh, like, I, I have a Hobie uh, kayak, and I so I pedal a lot, and I can only pedal in a foot or or more. And there was parts that I had to paddle in the fall that I didn't have to in the summer, um, and it was it was just almost like a completely different fishery. Um, from when I had fished it earlier in the year. Yeah. Last summer, the, by the end of the summer, I mean, really even into like early November, if I remember it stayed super low. Um, mm -hmm. I found kind of something special last fall and not a lot of people were really willing to run to it. And it was kind of cool. It was like me and a couple kayakers. I got <laughs> run the jet boat through some really sketchy stuff but there were some huge schools of fish and uh i know the one guy he's like yeah he's like hey can you tell me how to get down there i'm like hey, i'm not trying to like ruin my experience to help you get on and catch all the fish that i found but uh yeah it was i i remember um i know it was in the early november it was still super super low yeah no and and um <laughs> that's the one thing as a kayaker that scares me Cause I know a lot of the places I go, I don't have to worry about most boats, but the jet jet guys can go pretty much where I can go. So that's the only thing that scares me is I'm going to be sitting around a corner sometime thinking I'm safe. And then I'm just going to get mowed over sometime, but that's, I don't know. That's like a, a, a kind of a sour thing with me. And it's not, I've like uh, smashed some boats up a little bit because I kind of, I don't want to be the guy that's buzzing guys in kayaks and stuff like that, especially because I see a lot of little kids in them and stuff like that. Like, I mean, technically I think you guys have the right away cause you're not empowered. So I've had a couple instances where I've run into areas where I knew there wasn't much water and it didn't work out too good for me. And, uh, <laughs> that's like just, uh, life though, right? Yeah, it is, but it gets expensive sometimes too. Like, I think this last one was like a $6,000 bill for me. I think Whew. I, I remember uh, talking to one of the other jet boat guys that I interviewed on here. And he was like, well, I usually end up getting welded at least a couple times a season. I was like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't. So my boat now has UHMW on the bottom. I imagine if I hit hard enough, it'd probably just knock it part of it off. I don't know. I'm going to have <laughs> to get it repaired, but I've, I've, 
I've had a lot of welding done on previous boats. Gotcha. Gotcha. But those things are kind of, it's, it's all or nothing. Like you can't really run in between. That's when you really break, bust them up. Hmm. When you run wide open, you get up on top of the water and you can kind of get around. But if you're, if you're going like half speed, you're hitting stuff. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's a whole different learning experience to learn to, to, to run one of those around and do it well. You know what I mean? Right. So. All right, man. Well, I mean, we're getting on close to an hour here, so um, I appreciate all that uh, awesome information. Um, wanted to give you a chance to shout out uh, where folks can find you. Um, also, you know, you, uh, talk a little bit about your guide service. I know you just, you know, kind of kicked that off or you're getting into that. Um, so uh, yeah, what's that all? How's that? How's that been going? And, you know, what, how can folks? Uh, so um, as far as the guiding, um I'm just kind of, I've joined, uh, Joe Raymond has Susquehanna smallmouth guides. Um, he's inquired with me previously about running trips for him and stuff. And, uh, I finally got around to doing it now. So, um, that's really where you would book a trip is you would go to Susquehanna smallmouth guides.com. Um, I think you can contact him through there and then he would schedule it. Um, as far as social media, really the only thing I post a lot on is for as far as fishing is uh, on Instagram. And it's just Randy underscore long underscore. Um, I put all my fishing stuff on there. Um, not really sponsored by anybody or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> I guess if anything, I'd give like Josh and his Achigan guys a shout out like got to fish with those guys a couple of times and they're really passionate about smallmouth and I like what they're doing over there. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've had Josh on the show, like I said before, and, uh, I got to meet him last year at the, uh, the Hobie event and, um, you know, uh, he was a cool guy and, uh, definitely, uh, look forward to get to, uh, spend time with him again. And like I said, I want to pick his brain about fluke fishing. Cause I know. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's the guy to talk to about fluke fishing. The, I don't know if you saw my most recent post when I was out with them. He came up with this. It, I don't, I'm not my, like a real competitive guy. Maybe when I was younger, but we were launching the other day and he, I was fishing with his dad and he was fishing with his brother. And he's like, uh, Hey, we're going to do like this competition. And this is, we're going to, you got to get a 12 inch, a 13, a 14, a 15, a 16, 17, 18 and 19. They all got to have pictures on the board. And then um, uh, <clears throat> any, everything over 18 would be like the, whoever has the most over 18 would be a tiebreaker. So we're out fishing all day and like we're kind of sending pictures back and forth. And I think they needed an 18 and a 19. We needed an 18 and a 19. And it was kind of fun. And then, uh, he sends me a picture of it. He got an 18 and a 19 and we still didn't have one. And I'm like, now I'm like getting like stressed out. I'm like, this is, this is a no win situation for me. Like <clears throat> if he, uh, I like, I can't lose to him because this is my, like my backyard. Exactly. I'm never right. going to live it down. <laughs> but if I beat him, it's no big deal because it's, that's what, that's how it's supposed to happen. So like I started stressing out and I was running around like, crazy and i think we caught it was like right at the end of the day it's getting dark even i caught 18 and a 19 in like the last 15 minutes so and ended up being a tie yeah wow so well, that's it's better than for, a loss yeah no and then that way you know nobody you know everybody feels like they did okay you know yeah yeah yeah. well that's a cool uh that's a cool uh concept for a, a competition i'll have to try that the next time i go fishing with my buddies and you know that definitely would be, uh, you know, then my uh, Ned Rig uh, fishing prowess might come in handy when I need to get my 12s and 13s. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised, like, on the Susquehanna, like, I feel like the 12s and 13s were just as hard as the 18s and 19s, really. It's a yeah. lot of those 14 to 16s. There really is. There really is. So, all right, man. Well, um, anything else that you want to cover or anything and anybody else you want to shout out? Are you good? 
Nah, I think that's that's it, man. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on again, uh, guys. Uh, check out the show notes. I'll include links to um, the Susquehanna Smallmouth Guides and also um, Randy's Instagram page. If you want to just go see pictures of big smallies, there's a ton of them on there. So, um, you know, give him a follow there. And um, otherwise, Randy, thanks so much for coming on, dude. It's been awesome. And uh, look forward to hitting the water with you at some point. Uh, we can definitely chat about that then if you have the time. And um, But guys, this has been another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.